0: Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Last Man Standing with loserpool.com. It's another live stream and on today's edition we're looking back at a disappointing defeat courtesy of Chelsea at the Emirates Stadium. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna with me, Harry Simeon. It's another live edition. Um, I fancied going live this morning. I don't know why I don't have a a rational explanation for that. Um, But a big hello to those of you who are currently tuned in, watching us via YouTube. And a big hello to those of you who will be watching this back later on, or of course, indeed listening via the audio platforms. Now, of course, Arsenal suffered a bitterly disappointing defeat at the hands of Chelsea on Sunday afternoon. It was the early kickoff, 2pm. The sun was shining at the Emirates. It was pretty cold, mind you, but the sun was shining. Um, And, you know, we went into the game with with quite a bit of positivity. I thought Arsenal at Bournemouth showed some real signs of improvement. Arsenal showed that they were starting to take on board Mikel Arteta's ideas and Mikel Arteta's philosophy. Now, we all knew that it was going to take a bit of time uh, before Arsenal were able to embed what Mikel Arteta was asking uh, effectively and efficiently and as a result pick up points from it. Um, but I thought Arsenal's first half performance was a real, real positive and when you look at the levels of energy that Arsenal played with, the intensity, the pace in our passing, um, the fact that we were defending higher up the pitch, that we were squeezing our opponent into their half, I thought that Arsenal showed everything that Mikel Arteta would have been after. And as a result, the crowd were feeding off that, weren't they? The crowd were buzzing. I, I haven't heard an atmosphere at the Emirates like that for quite some time. Yes, it was Mikel Arteta's first game. And of course, that helps. But also, it was based on what those those fans were seeing. Um, they were seeing a committed performance. And the man you can see on your screen, David Lewis, I thought, was, was particularly good. We're going to come on to uh, play our sort of uh, ratings a little bit later on. Um on this episode but you know the the start was positive and I was pleased and and a a little bit uh sort of I think it was around about half an hour 20 minutes half an hour in Frank Lampard made a change a change that I think um ultimately had a huge impact on the game and that was to bring Jorginho on for Emerson now Chelsea had gone to Spurs the week before absolutely played them off the park they played with wing backs etc um And so you can understand why Frank Lampard thought that that was the the better approach again. But he soon realised that the midfield of Arsenal was was getting on top. Arsenal were controlling the ball. Arsenal were playing with a little bit more bite. Frank Lampard has said in these post-match stuff uh, that Chelsea were lethargic. Um, And I think you know, I think that's kind of taking the credit away from Arsenal, which I don't think you need to do. I don't think Chelsea were particularly lethargic. I just think that Arsenal were much better than them, were much more intense than them, were much more up for it. Um, he made the change anyway. He took Emerson off and he brings Jorginho on, um, essentially changing the formation back to sort of a, a four-man defence and, and and adding that extra body in the midfield. So then it was Kovacic, Angolo, uh, Kante and Jorginho in the middle of the park. And In that you've got everything you've got the tenacity the hard work of Angolo Kante but you've also got the technical ability of Jorginho and Mateo Kovacic who are both two fantastic footballers maybe they can't necessarily play together too often but in terms of of what they bring when they're on the ball it was uh, certainly an upgrade for Chelsea and it really really helped them but in spite of that um, that change Arsenal managed to see out the first half with relative comfort um, I don't think Arsenal were actually in any danger, really, until Chelsea scored. Uh, and that's the really frustrating thing about it. Now, people will say that Arsenal sat deep and defended, and Mikel Arteta has said that Arsenal sat a little bit too deep in the in the second half and that it was because physically they were suffering. But ultimately, Chelsea never threatened Bernano's goal. There wasn't any moments in that game where you thought, my God, we're hanging on by the skin of our teeth here. Yes, we'd surrendered a lot of possession. I don't think anybody would deny that. We surrendered a lot of possession in the second half. We were visibly a lot deeper. But ultimately, Arsenal never felt as though they were going to lose that game. I certainly didn't anyway. There was one opportunity that Chelsea had, which springs to mind, and that was a Tammy Abraham header. Um, I think it was from a set piece. It was a completely free header at the back post. But it was a poor header and it was straight into Burn Leno who, who gathered it with with ease. So I think to say that Chelsea deserved to win the game because they had so much possession in the second half, for me, is not fair. I don't think it's right. Um, I think that Chelsea showed, you know, that they could control the game in certain areas of the pitch, but when it came to actually breaking us down to actually creating something, they couldn't do it. Um uh, I've said it already. I'll say it again. Physically, Arsenal were not at the races in the second half. And that just shows you, doesn't it, uh, of where the fitness levels have been under Unai Emery. Now, I know that the Christmas period and the New Year's and Boxing Day, you know, at this time of year, is notoriously difficult for anybody. So you will see tired legs. That's completely understandable. We played on Boxing Day, which was Thursday, and we're playing again uh, on Sunday we do that a lot in the Europa League but ultimately when we do that in the Europa League we're we're essentially most likely playing with two different teams so to have to see most of those players play a few days later again I think we saw the effects of that moving on to um the goals I'm going to talk about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's goal first and it came after 13 minutes I, I really really enjoyed that goal um it was a, a delivery into the box. And Callum Chambers has done brilliantly at the near post to get ahead of his man, flick it towards Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. But the way he adjusts his body there and diverts it past Kepper, I thought was brilliant. He's adjusted his body. He's smelt the danger almost. Got himself in front of the defender. I think it was Emerson, actually. And he's directed the header towards goal. He's, he's really got uh, quite a bit of power on it. There was obviously power on... Chambers his flick on, but to change the direction of it the way obamiang did with such conviction was a, a really good header, a real strikers goal. And you know, I, I've been annoyed with with some of obamiang's sort of displays of um you know of his attitude in recent weeks. I think that at times he looks a bit um as if he's not interested. There's talk about him moving away. Um that talk isn't going away, he's not signed a new contract yet, but ultimately you've got to question where on earth this Arsenal team would be without Mikel Arteta. I mean, we're 12th in the table now. At, I mean, without Pierre-Emerick Bamiang, sorry, not Mikel Arteta. Um, give the guy a chance. But with Pierre-Emerick Bamiang, you know, where would we be in the table uh, if he wasn't scoring goals on a regular basis? Because we currently find ourselves in a really, really poor position. And, you know, he's kind of like the only shining light, the only one that, perf- not I wouldn't say performs to his maximum regularly but he chips in with goals and that's really, really important. Uh, And ultimately, those goals have have been vital. You know, the the last one came at Bournemouth, which was an equaliser to uh, avoid a defeat. And then he put us in front against Chelsea. Um, He also scored at West Ham, which was our first victory in God knows how long. Um, But then the, the Chelsea goals were really, really disappointing and really frustrating. And you know there's an argument whether Jorginho should even be on the pitch when he scores and normally I'm the first person to look at my own team and and criticize them and and think about what we could have done differently to avoid a defeat but in this instance it's very very difficult to pick on any of our players it's very very difficult to uh, you know defend or say that the referee's decision hasn't had an impact on this game Jorginho has clearly Pulled back Matteo Genduzi there. And, and there's been yellow cards being dished out in this game constantly, by the way. Uh, the referee was so card happy yesterday, um, which is fine. You know, most of them warranted yellow cards, but then you've got to be consistent. And that's my issue. Consistency for a referee seems to be so hard to come by these days. And that's why we're having constant arguments. Even with VAR, we're having arguments about refereeing decisions because things are not being done at a consistent level. And that's a real, real problem. We saw Arsenal players booked for similar offences yesterday. Yet Jorginho walks free. Why? Is it because he's on a yellow card that shouldn't make a difference? He's clearly pulled back Genduzi to prevent Arsenal breaking away. And for me, that is a blatant yellow card. And Chelsea have had a real stroke of luck there. Um, We can sit there and we can talk about Arsenal's defending, which I will. I'll come on to. But ultimately... The referee has, has had a huge uh, impact on the way this game has has panned out. And that's that's what drives me mad. I, I don't want to see that. I want to see football teams win games on merit. I don't want to see referees deciding the outcomes of games. It's a really bad error from Burn Leno. Cross comes in. He's completely misjudged the flight of the ball. And, you know, people say these things happen. And they do. The timing just couldn't have been any worse. We were about to get our first win under Mikel Arteta, the stadium was was buoyant. People were buzzing and we've got Manchester United to come on New Year's Day. So you felt as though, you know, this was a real opportunity to, to get going and, and get a, a win against a team who you would class as, as challenges for the top four, silence some of our doubters and move forward. But of course, that wasn't to be. And, and Bern Leno's mistake is one that it probably gets worse every time you watch it. But the problem here is that, If you're going to sit here and dig into people, you've got to be very careful because Burn Leno, for me, has been one of Arsenal's most consistent performers this season. And, you know, I know that doesn't say much because the team overall have been poor, but Burn Leno hasn't been to blame uh, for most of the defeats this season. Burn Leno has pulled off some fantastic stops. There's been games we've picked up points in. There's been games that we've lost marginally that we could have lost by an absolute landslide had Burn Leno not been in between the sticks and, and performing and pulling off brilliant saves. So for that reason, um, I'm going to give Bern Leno a break. Now, of course, at the top level, you don't want to see those kind of mistakes. They're not acceptable. They're never acceptable. But to sit here and, and pull apart Bern Leno, I think, would be unfair, uh, given the uh, the way he's performed for the majority of this season. Moving on to the second goal, the second Chelsea goal, and this was the one that disappointed me the most. You know, Bernardo's had a moment of madness. It happens. But Mikel Arteta said in his post-match press conference that Arsenal managed the situation as they would have liked in the sense that they had five men tracking back and there was three Chelsea attackers. And that's how we've got to be to manage these situations. And I, and I get the sentiment behind it. I get where he's coming from. But for me, there's a catalogue of errors in this goal. And... They're errors that we see time and time again with this Arsenal team. And I'm not an idiot. I'm not under any illusions. I didn't believe that Mikel Arteta was going to come in. And overnight, these things were going to stop happening. These things will continue to happen until we we sign top quality defenders, until we get a little bit more streetwise, until certain players wise up a little bit. And one of the players that really frustrated me in this goal is Matteo Genduzi. Now, people say that I have an agenda against Matteo Genduzzi. I don't. I just think that at times he's immature at times he's rash at times. He spends far too much time concentrating on, um, you know, on getting the referee to give the decision that he wants on throwing himself to the ground. He's a little bit theatric at times. And that drives me fucking crazy because when I see an opponent do it, I can't stand it. And then I've got Mateo Ginduzi doing it on our side. And, you know, I've always said this. I think he's a very talented boy. I think passion-wise and in terms of his work rate, you cannot fault him. You cannot deny it. But he is a little bit petulant. He is a little bit childish. And at times, when you want to see him show a little bit of maturity, a little bit of um, Nelson, a little bit of, of being streetwise, he doesn't do that. And Chelsea's second goal was a prime example. Arsenal are on the attack. Cross comes into the box. Is headed out to the edge of the penalty area. And there's a challenge between Matteo Genduzi and I can't quite remember what Chelsea player it was. But for me, I think it might have been Kante. But for me, Genduzzi has to either win that ball. You are in prime position to win that ball. You have to be strong. You have to hold the man off. You have to win the header or you foul him and you stop him getting away. And Matteo Genduzi does neither of those things. He casually allows the, the, the break to happen. and He turns back and he jogs back. Then the ball is played through to William on the right hand side. William's making a a lung busting run down the right. He's got lots of space. um, And Bukayo Saka is just simply not able to keep up with him. Now, Bukayo Saka is a young lad. Fitness levels have to be there. He has to have the energy, even at that late stage in the game, to track back against someone like William. Who's what? How old is William? 32, 31. Um, I don't know. But somebody of William's age you know, 31 he is, you have to be chasing him. You have to keep up with him. And and Bukayo Saka doesn't do that. He's initially caught out of position, which I don't really have an issue with because, well, no, I do have an issue with it, but I understand because he's not a left back by trade and he's been asked to cover in a role that is unnatural to him. But for me, it's the energy levels that is the biggest worry. It's a half-hearted run back. And when the ball does get put across the box by Willian, into Tammy Abraham. We often talk about defenders getting too tight. Well, this time, Shkodran Mustafi was not tight enough because he's allowed Abraham to control the ball, to turn with such ease and to put it through Bernardo's legs and put Chelsea in front. And for me, it's just such a poor, soft goal to concede in a game that you've worked so hard for. And let's let's be honest, up until Chelsea um, equalised, you know, then... They were not in the game. Not that they weren't in the game. They had possession. But in terms of clear-cut chances, in terms of testing Bernd Leno, they hadn't done it. They hadn't done it. Um, Just coming over to some of your comments. uh, Going to go through the player ratings in a moment, but going to touch on some of your comments first. Uh, Antonio Bank says, Harry Gendouzi already had a yellow card. Mate, for me, when you're winning the game 1-0 with 10 minutes to go, you just got to take it you just got to take it. If you're not going to foul him, then you've got to win the ball. You've got to be stronger. You've got to challenge the player. He's so half-hearted from Matteo Genduzi there. And it's no surprise that, you know, Chelsea break away. And then what really, really frustrated me after that goal was watching Matteo Genduzi throwing his arms up in the air, having a tantrum when, I'm not saying he was the main person at fault for that goal or that he was solely to blame, but he was a part of it. He was a part of it. Yet it's everybody else's fault. And he's going to have a tantrum. Mate, you need to get yourself in order. And people talk about Granit Xhaka and about how they can't wait to see the back of him. He's far more advanced than Mateo Genduzi. Matteo Genduzzi may well overtake him. He may well become a fantastic midfield player. But at this moment in time, I would rather see Xhaka and Torreira in the centre of that midfield any day of the week. It's not always about pressing it's not always about who runs the most. Sometimes it's about being positionally disciplined and doing what you need to do in your area of the pitch, fulfilling your responsibilities, not taking on too much so that you let your teammates down in the basics that you're supposed to be doing. Genduzi presses to the right. He presses to the left. It's not his job. It's not his job. Matteo Genduzi's job is to hold that midfield alongside Lucas Torreira. Um... Let's go on to uh, the player ratings uh, as well. Um, I'm going to start with Bern Leno in goal. Look, I didn't think he did anything wrong up until he made that mistake. But as a result of that mistake, I've got to give him a four. Um, and the reason I give him a four is because it's such a key mistake at such a crucial time that, in my opinion, is the catalyst for Chelsea coming back and winning the game um also there were times where i felt bernardo was dwelling on the ball a little bit with it at his feet um i know that unai emery insisted on arsenal playing out from the back in a certain way and there's probably still a bit of a hangover from that and i don't deny that Mikel arteta will probably want something similar in the long run but i felt there were times yesterday where bernardo had the ball at his feet and he just simply took too long he took risks he played some poor passes usually he's pretty good on the ball but for me I wanted to see a little bit more um, caution in his approach. And, and of course, the mistake for me is is something that I can't get past. And I'm sure you'll all agree that it was the catalyst for Chelsea coming back in a game that really they had no right to win. Uh, At right back, Ainsley Maitland-Niles. I'm going to give Ainsley Maitland-Niles a seven. Um, I thought Ainsley Maitland-Niles had a much better game than he's had in recent weeks. I thought he was better at Bournemouth and I thought he was better uh, yesterday. I thought he showed... Uh, a little bit more maturity. There was a lot more intensity in his play. I've accused him of being a little bit slack at times uh, in recent months. So I was pleased to see uh, a decent performance from uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles. David Lewis, I'm going to give David Lewis an eight. Um, I know people... We'll still try and find something to pick on him for. But I thought David Lewis was in Mount Mountain at the back yesterday. He made a number of really, really important interceptions, clearances. And that was the best performance I've seen from David Lewis in an Arsenal shirt. Um, whether it was because he was up against his former club and he wanted to prove a point. He wanted to uh, make a you know a point of the fact that they were wrong to let him go. I don't know, but I think David Lewis was fantastic. So I'm going to give David Lewis an eight, uh, Callum Chambers, I thought was doing really, really well until he came off. I'm not going to give him a rating though, because he did come off, uh, at the time he did the first, um, sort of, uh, thoughts from the coaching stuff is that the injury is a poor, is a, is a bad one. And we're going to have to wait and see because we don't know for sure what it is yet. There's not been any further word on that. Um, but it is something that comes as a huge blow because I thought Callum Chambers had a really, really good game up until that point. Um, at left-back, Bukayo Saka. I'm going to give Saka... Um, I'm going to give him a... Mm, this is a tough one. I'm going to give Bukayo Saka a five. And again, it's mainly largely down to the fact that I thought he was his part was poor in that in that goal that ultimately uh, handed Chelsea the win I thought there were signs of of some good play from Bukayo Saka but again he's not a fullback so it's hard to be to sit here and really slate him you know I think he's a young kid who's been thrown in at the deep end in my opinion there's an argument as to whether he's even ready to play in his preferred position let alone covering for someone at left back but the reality is at the moment Arsenal don't have much choice so um I'm going to give Bukayo Saka a five. Uh, again, largely down to his part in Chelsea taking all three points. Moving into the midfield, Lucas Torreira um, he's going to get a seven for me. If I had to base it on the first half alone, I'd have given him a nine. I thought he was incredible. He was intense. He was winning tackles. He was getting back. He was covering for the fullbacks at times. He was protecting Matteo Genduzzi's mistakes. There was a time Matteo Genduzzi tried to let the ball run across his body in the first half and Chelsea got themselves into our penalty area and there came Lucas Torreira to make a sliding challenge and get his mate out of trouble so if I had to base it on the first half alone Torreira gets a nine but because he dropped off because physically he couldn't keep up with the pace I'm going to give him a seven overall um Matteo Guendouzi for me I'm going to give him a six um I thought it was all right in stages. I thought he worked hard, as I always say about Matteo Genduzzi, but I thought there were moments of immaturity. He lost the ball on the edge of the box a couple of times. There was, of course, that moment I've already spoken about where um, I felt he could have done more to prevent the Chelsea breakaway that ultimately led to their winner. So I'm going to give Matteo Genduzi a six player I really like in terms of his energy, in terms of his enthusiasm, but somebody who really needs to be a little bit more tactically aware and a little bit less rash in certain situations. Messer Ozil, I'm going to give Messer Ozil an eight. I thought Messer Ozil was fantastic. Um, he came off because he was tired. He came off because Arsenal needed to shore things up a little bit, but I thought he'd done very, very well, particularly in the first half. Balls were coming to him um, and often he was overcrowded by Chelsea players, but what Messer Ozil did very well was he was always aware of what was going on around him and whether that was a flick on with his head or a flick on with his feet. First time he was releasing players into space constantly and the fact that the ball was coming to him and he was picking up those areas of the pitch and earning himself the right to play with his hard work, I thought was was really good and I thought, mess as it was good at Bournemouth as well and I think that you're seeing an uplift in Messert's performances under Mikel Arteta and that's down to a number of things. Number one, because uh, he obviously believes in Mikel, he's got a good relationship with Mikel. Uh, number two, because Mikel's allowing him to play the way he wants to play in the areas in which he wants to play. Um, and number three, I just think that the team have been playing better and ultimately, uh, when you look at a player like Messer Ozil, who is uh, a bit of a luxury player, when the team play well, you will, of course, get the more and the best out of him. So, yeah, um, please do this performance. He gets an eight for me. Um, Reese Nelson. I'm going to give Reese Nelson a seven. Um, I thought Reese Nelson offered us an outlet at times, which was really useful. Um, made a couple of really good runs. And again, he was feeding off Mesut Ozil uh, really, really well and taking players out. Uh, on on the outside maybe the final ball isn't quite there all the time um, but there were improvements in that department yesterday uh, put a couple of decent crosses into the box compared to what he done at Bournemouth so for me um, I'm going to give uh, Reese Nelson an eight Alexander Lacazette um, six for me um, I, I just I think he's really struggling for form at the moment Alexander Lacazette and you know on the one hand you feel like even when he doesn't score, he works for the team and he battles and he fights um, and all that. But that shouldn't mask the fact that in terms of what he's producing in front of goal and in that final third of late, is just not up to the standard of which we require. It's just simply not good enough at the moment. And he's out of form. I guess the only way you play yourself back into form is by playing. Uh, It's not by sitting on the bench. It's not by being left out. It's not by hiding. Um, So in that aspect, I think, that's why Mikel Arteta persists with him. That's why he started him in the last couple of games. But I think it's fair to say that that Alexander Lacazette is nowhere near uh, the levels from which we expect and the levels of which we know he can obviously reach. Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang gets a seven for me. Um, Seven, seven and a half, I would say. Uh, really, really good goal. Um, popped up with a goal again, which was ever so important. But also, I thought he worked a lot harder yesterday, he pressed with a lot more intensity, He helped Arsenal out on that left-hand side a, a great deal more than, than I've seen in, in recent months. So for that, um, he gets a seven, seven and a half for me. Um, those are my player ratings. Let me know if uh, you disagree with any of those in the live comments, or of course, if you're watching or listening to this back later, I'd love to hear from you there too. Um, let's go into some of your comments before we wrap it up. Uh, with a summary, uh, Watenga Caesar says, "Should we still have hope in our backline? Um, I think we've seen an improvement in the way our backline are defending, and that's tactical. I've always said that. Whilst I don't think the players that we have are, are necessarily good enough tactically, we were we were found wanting, and tactically we needed to improve a great deal. And you've seen in the course of two games that tactically, it's we've been able to get an improvement out of those same players. So." I think we still need to sign. I think everybody will agree with that. I don't think it's a secret that defensively we're not where we need to be in terms of the personnel that we have at the club. But I'd also say um, that what we were getting under Unai Emery was, was not the maximum that we could have got out of this group. So in the long run, I think we need to sign and we shouldn't really keep faith in these guys. But I think in the short term... If we can tighten them up a little bit, the way Mikel Arteta has managed to do, I know we've conceded goals still, but overall our defensive performances have been better um, than, yeah, you know, onwards and upwards in in that department. Uh, Brad Richardson says the performance yesterday should give us all hope under Mikel Arteta. I agree with you, mate. The problem was that we couldn't uh, keep the intensity. We couldn't maintain the level for long enough, but the performance was much improved and that is something to take uh, some solace from. Um, Neil Thompson says time for Stan to put his hand in his pocket and spend or we will no longer be in the Premier League there's a lot of talk about the the relegation thing um, which for me it's a little bit premature um, I don't think Arsenal are necessarily in a relegation scrap it might be me being uh, a little bit cocky a little bit arrogant um, and when you look at the league table you know it doesn't read well You know, Arsenal are on 24 points. Aston Villa, of course, in 18th place. They're on 18, so there's just six points separating ourselves in 18th place. Um, But we've only picked up one win in the last five, and that is relegation form. Um, Our goal difference is worrying. Um, We've conceded an awful lot of goals this season, which is a problem. But I still think Arsenal will have too much quality. And I think given the signs we've seen from Mikel Arteta so far, I think that he will improve this team enough for that not to be a concern. I don't think we're going to make the top four. Um, but I think that, you know, we, we are too good to go down. And I know there's been big clubs in the past that have said those famous words and live to regret them. But I genuinely don't fear relegation at the moment um, as an Arsenal fan. Um, Eman300 says, Genduzi's overrated. I agree with Harry. Arsenal fans have low standards. Um, Look, It's not that I think he's necessarily overrated. I think he can develop into a very good player. And I hope that Mikel Arteta will be able to to take him on to that next level. I just think that right now he's not ready um, and he's not at the level um, which we require from someone who essentially wants to start every week. Um, Gunnar Mosh says, great show, boss. Thank you very much. Really, really appreciate it. Frank Gunnar says, totally gutted, mate. If he says, nice podcast. Thank you very much, my friend um gear over Peterson says happy New Year from norway harry happy new year to you too my friend and everybody else who's listening uh, from norway or anywhere else in the world um anonymous t says mustafi i didn't give mustafi a rating because um he came on as a substitute i know it was in the first half if i had to give him a rating i'd probably give him a five um i thought he did okay apart from that brain fart moment where he gave Tammy Abraham too much space to turn. But other than that, I thought he'd done all right. I thought the whole defence done all right. Um, but ultimately at the moment in which we needed him to step up and not, I'm not necessarily saying he should have won the ball off Tammy Abraham, but you've got to make it more difficult for him. You've got to make the striker earn the right to score that goal. And he, he hasn't done that. Um, I.e., says Arteta doesn't make good subs and timing is poor. He shouldn't have subbed Ozilov when he did lost control of the midfield after that. I think you make a good point in the sense that Mesut Ozil allows Arsenal to keep the ball, provides Arsenal with a bit of an outlet in the sense that when he receives the ball, he can hold on to it for a few seconds, give the team respite and allow them to get up the pitch. But Ozil was blowing um, in terms of his fitness. And for me, I, I wasn't against the change. If I had to be critical of Mikel Arteta, and I don't want to be critical of Mikel Arteta, um, I think any criticism of Mikel Arteta after what happened yesterday would be harsh but if I had to pick a nitpick on something I would say that maybe he didn't respond to Chelsea's dominance early enough um he brought Joe Willock on but then Joe Willock didn't make a difference anyway so he would probably argue that you could say I didn't do it early enough but when he did come on he didn't make any difference and didn't have any impact anyway so there you go um Anonymous also says Pepe isn't playing under a third manager I wonder why that is a real concern that is a real concern. Um, we've signed this guy for £72 million. Um, it was a signing that we were all excited about, including myself. However, there's got to be a reason why now the third manager doesn't think he's ready to play. Is it fitness? Is it an adaptation uh, problem? Is it What is it? I don't know. I, I don't have the answer to that question. But at the end of the day, um, it's really disappointing. And the fact that Reece Nelson, who and I'm not having a go at Reece Nelson, but he hasn't really done a great deal when given the opportunities, still gets ahead of Nicolas Pepe is a real concern. And you'd like to think that given what we spent on him, given the investment and given the talent that we know the guy has when he's in full flow, he can find himself. um, He can uh, find his way back into form and, and as a result, be selected in the team and bring something to the team because we certainly paid an awful lot of money for him. Um, Antonio says, Harry, when are you going to make a podcast with Tom of the Guna Talk? Uh, Tom's a good friend. Um, I'm sure uh, we'll do something in the near future together. Um, as soon as you're asking for it, I'll have, a, I'll have a quick word. I'll have a quick word. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, Omar says, guys, cut Genduzi some slack. He's only 20 years old. He is only 20 years old, my friend. And it's not a reflection of Mateo Genduzi as such, it's a reflection of the fact of where Arsenal are that we have to play this guy. As often as we do that that's kind of my point um but there are equally other 20 year olds in football who are far more mature and who are far more ready and suited to playing at the top level than Mateo genduzzi is that's that's kind of my point um right that brings us to the end of this live edition haven't done a live one for a while um that's been due to work i've been trying to juggle work and the podcast um you know, and, and getting those recorded most of the time really, really late at night where none of you would be watching um, and then streaming those a little bit later on. But this is a live edition. I've got the opportunity to do so today. So a big thank you to every single one of you who is in the live chat at the moment. Um, I hope you all have a, a wonderful uh, new year and we'll be back after, of course, to talk about uh, Arsenal versus Manchester United on New Year's Day, a game that I'm really, really uh, looking forward to. So a big um, Thank you to all of you and to those, of course, who are listening via the audio later on. Uh, We'll be back very, very soon with more. Don't forget to subscribe, like, share. Please, please like the video. It's really, really important. There's over 100 of you watching uh, at the moment. Uh, So please, please, if you all like the video, it will be a great help uh, to the video. And and we really, really appreciate it. And I'll be back on, uh, not New Year's Day, the day after. So the 2nd of January to reflect on Arsenal versus Manchester United and fingers crossed we're talking about Mikel Arteta's first Arsenal victory. Uh so until then guys, take care.